this there it would help if i had unmuted everything right here we're good we're good houston we got liftoff anyway yes hi everybody now that i unmuted the the microphone that usually helps we're back it's halloween uh, like I said before, since it's a Monday, we're hoping everybody recovered from any partying that they did this weekend for Halloween, because in the last couple of years, forget it, partying and all that other stuff was kind of like not really good, even if you were in Florida, you know, but uh, that's over. So everybody's going out and having a good time. Anyway, guys, we, you know, I, I thought, you know, what, what I started thinking about Halloween. All right. And we started thinking about Halloween. And we were thinking, man, when we were kids or young or teenagers, Halloween was a blast. Obviously, different things. Yeah. You know, every once in a while you heard about different or weird or bad things that happened. But overall, I think it's got, become so complicated nowadays with Halloween. Uh, we, we There's no trick-or-treaters hardly ever. You know, we live in a rural area, which I know it's different. But even before we lived in a rural area, you wouldn't have uh, as many trick-or-treaters. Before it was a blast, you would see kids um going out there and then you probably it was like 10 o'clock and they'd be still knocking on your door trying to get candy remember and i myself i mean we remember even into teenage years it was halloween was the best you had a lot of fun forget even the candy new york was fun. New york. so we i was thinking you know what what happened you know that halloween instead of being a great time to dress up and hang out with your friends as you, when you got older or just going you know kids like Everybody was trying to get the great candy because nobody wanted to get the bad candy. Uh, everything went south. But anyway, I decided we, we decided we were doing a, a hot tub time moment into the past, into the 70s and 80s. And I said, you know what? Uh, you know, let me not, you know how everything, when you look back, everything is just, oh, it was, it was wonderful. It was great. And then I think, well, you know what? Even back then, they had weird stuff that was going on. One of them being the... Um, the satanic panic and some of the stuff. I said, you know what? Let me look into this. Let me let me look into what was going on. And I found some really interesting stuff. Because, you know, you always hear about these things with the satanic panic, like somebody was promoting why, you know, people were running around besides, you know, in 1970, the early 1970s was when Rosemary's Baby came out and all that, you know, uh, the omen and the exorcist. I said, you know what? Let me see what... Really, what is the history? Because everybody knows about Halloween, you know, and jack-o'-lanterns and blah, blah, blah. And what I decided to do was let me give you, first of all, a little bit of history, real quick history, about really what the roots of Halloween are and why, in some cases, there was a, what's the, what's the word I'm looking for? You would say, well, okay, you know what? There was a push as to the sacrifice and uh, what, whether it was called Satanism or whatever, why that would be a significant holiday versus any other date. Okay, so let me uh, let me go ahead and read you real quick a little bit about the history of Halloween. Okay, and it makes you understand a little bit better uh, what was you know when when some of these people that they do these weird things around Halloween. Why they would tie that in. Now it, it originated, Halloween originated uh, usually from a civilization nominated Northern Europe. These were the Celts. They lived in central Europe, moved westward. This was before the Romans um, uh, arrived there. And uh, by the way, they had no written language. Everything there was oral tradition. All right. Now the, the iron age is called the age of the Celt in Britain. 
And eventually, uh, Julius Caesar, he ended up conquering and arriving in Britain. And as a matter of fact, they were known, the, the Celts were known to rush into battle armed and naked. All right. And their favorite spoil of war was the severed head of a foe. These people were very uh, combative, to say the least. Now, they worship deities personified by the force of nature. Uh, they routinely sacrifice them uh, to appease them. And when uh, Julius Caesar, he wrote a story about, you know, when he was fighting throughout all these different, you know, well, basically conquering, he wrote something called the Conquest of Gaul. And he described that human sacrifice using fire was common among the Celts. Now, these activities, they were overseen in, uh, by what was called the Druids, and I'm sure you've heard of them. And uh, among the Celts, they were considered prophets, bards, priests, and of course, they were all male. There was, And women could assist, but as far as uh, the Druids, they were male, and their leader was the Arch or the Arch Druid. Now, besides religious leaders, they were the judges at all disputes, and because of their status in society, they were exempt from taxes and military service. Nice touch there, Druids. Um, now, there were two important dates under Druidic calendar. This was May 1st, known as Beltane, and October 31st, and November 1st, known as Samhain or Soen. Uh, And it was dedicated to the Celtic Lord of the Dead. All right, this was, in, in that tradition, this is when one year became the other. In other words, um, you, you know, how we do the, the, the you know, Let's go from the New Year's Eve. This was the New Year's Eve. And of course, this was tied into harvesting and the winter was coming. So it's understandable why they would see this as the end of the year. Now, during this time, they would invite the spirit of their deceased relatives to join the celebration. And this is something similar to ancestor worship. And this included taking the skulls of the family members from the grave, decorating them and bringing them into the festivities. In other words, hey, come on in. And milk or food was left outside the home for wandering spirits who had no family. Because it was a danger if a spirit was left out of the fun, they were thought to be unpleasant. In other words, not everybody that died had a family to bring them. In other words, to, to include them. Now, since winter was on the horizon, bonfires were used in ceremonies. Now, according to Caesar, ritual sacrifices of animals, especially horses and humans, were made in the flames. And he described also that they would use people suffering from serious diseases, such as uh, were like if you prisoners uh, or... If you, in other words, for lack of a better word, if you are a burden on society there, you kind of could end up being a sacrifice. Uh, and some of the tribes had what they call colossal images made of wicker work. And the limbs were filled with living men. And then they were set on fire and the victims burned to death. Uh, and sometimes captured Roman soldiers were part of the sacrifice. Now, afterwards, the remains were studied by the Druids to predict the future, especially for the upcoming year. Um, now, the Druids... Might have been mystical, but they had an opportunity also to line their own pockets because they would lead a parade of masked peasants to go door to door and gather gifts for the Druid god Muk Allah. And the tribute was demanded. Otherwise, the peasant could be punished. It could come in the form of stolen livestock or burning down farm buildings. Now, this predated mafia shakedowns for supposed protection because basically this is what they were doing. You know, either you give to Muk Allah or guess what? Oh, your, your cows were stolen, that kind of deal. Now, um, the Celts were distrustful, also fairies who were considered evil. So, you know, this idea that you see of Tinkerbell and all that cute stuff. The Celts, they were very distrustful of fairies. 
because the fairies had a complaint against humans uh, because they thought the humans had displaced them from the land. And they were believed to live in what they call mounds or barrows that dot the British Isles. Now, um, so it was not only in, during Sowen or Samhain, it was the spirits of the dead that caused mischief to fairies. And fairies, of course, got food and milk left outside the, the house. Now, the Romans, eventually, they blended their customs with those of the Celts. And they had their own festival honoring the dead called Feralia, which was celebrated at the end of October. And even though the Romans were pretty tolerant of other religious beliefs, they clashed with the Druid practice of human sacrifice. And since the Druids, once they got rid of the Druids, since they had oral traditions, once the priests disappeared, the religion faded. And uh, Christians did something similar as Europe became Christianized. They kind of like integrated, took over old, old uh, images, old holidays. Now, the Cathedral of Our Lady of Chartres, it's about 50 miles southwest of Paris, which was constructed in the 13th century. But this was the last version that was built on the side of at least five cathedrals built since the 4th century, century. And originally, it was a Celtic sanctuary who had been taken over from an earlier pagan site of worship. Now, the Druids, prior to it being a, becoming a cathedral, had venerated a pregnant goddess statue that was brought there from a non-Druidic sect. In other words, even the people that were there that were pre-Druids at that location, were this was considered some type of holy place. Now, this pregnant Venus figure was transfigured when it was Christianized into the pregnant Virgin Mary and venerated at the cathedral until... The French Revolution, when fanatics destroyed one of the oldest continuously venerated shrines, well, figurines in history, it was rebuilt in, in the slides. You, you, if you're if you're seeing this the video version of this, you're going to see what that version looks like. Now, most of what we now know in the United States came was developed in Europe during the Dark Ages. About 1000 AD was when they started doing that All Souls Day, which is celebrated on November 2nd which has become all hallowed tide and Christians would dress on black and go door to door asking for food for the dead. And this evolved into children exchanging prayers for the dead in exchange for soul cakes. All right. This started in the 11th century in a tradition called souling. And these soul cakes were sweet with a cross on the top and they were intended to represent a spirit being freed from purgatory when eaten. Remember prior to this, when, you know, the Christian, it was heaven, hell and purgatory. Now, the Puritans during the 1600s, they banned Halloween, not because it was connected to witchcraft, but because they claimed it was a Catholic holiday. Now, uh, when Ireland was hit by the potato famine in the 1800s and Irish immigrants fled to the United States, they brought their own Halloween traditions with them. And they named, the name trick-or-treat was first used in America in 1929. And then that term jack-o'-lantern is believed to have come from a folk story of something called Stingy Jack or also known as Jack Smith, Drunk Jack, or Flaky Jack. This originated in Ireland. I thought this, I had never heard of this. And Jack was known as a sneaky drunk with a silver tongue. One night, he's wandering through the countryside when he finds a body with a grimace on its face. Jack soon realizes he's come upon the devil himself on the cobblestone path, who had come to collect his sinful soul. He asked to drink ale before his trip to hell, and Satan took him to a pub and ordered all he wanted. When it came time to pay, Jack didn't have money, so he asked Satan to turn himself into a silver coin in order to satisfy the bartender. All right, hold on a minute. 
And let's say, so Jack, who had no plans to visit the hot place, took the Satan coin and stuck it in his pocket along with the crucifix. Jack made a deal with the devil that he would allow him to turn back in exchange for 10 more years. The years sped by and Satan came back for Jack's soul. This time Jack asked if he could have one apple to eat. This time when the devil climbed an apple tree, Jack surrounded it with crucifixes. This time Jack bargained that he would never take his soul to hell. Jack grew old and his last day on earth arrived when he met St. Peter at the pearly gates. He was turned away because of his sinful life. When he went to hell, Satan reminded him he couldn't take his soul. He gave Jack an ember inside a hollowed turnip to light his way, and he is doomed to roam the middle plane between good and evil. And that's the story of Jack-o'-lantern. Believe it or not, I had never heard. You know, I knew what the Jack-o'-lantern was. I had never heard of it. But anyway, um, this is a this is a this is a very well known um, tradition, you know, that we see now a lot of times. And you know what? Before we go any further, I was telling Henry because we were again Halloween. We we're talking about ghost stories, and tell him about your first sighting as a ghost. Because people ask us, "Oh, when did you see a ghost?" And this is something that happened to him as a kid. Well, um, my parents, my grandparents originally came from Spain. And they ended up in Cuba. Um, my parents were born in Cuba. I um, used to go to my grandparents' house to spend the weekend from Friday to Sunday until I go back to school. And I was like six, seven years old. And I, they used to let me wander the, anywhere I wanted to. Back then, kids didn't have to worry about getting taken or anything like that because everybody there took care of everybody else's kids. So it's, so my grandparents had a like an old uh, colonial house that was um, that they built when they came from Spain with uh, cobblestone and the crown moldings like like it looked like a miniature version of like a little castle and they made a courtyard because I was the baby of the house they made a courtyard and they had goats and chickens for me to play with. And they had a ravine that went all the way into the river. So we would play there with the, with, with the goats and stuff in the river. So I, I would stay outside. They would go to sleep. And I would be outside wandering around and messing around with their parrots and stuff till like all hours of the night. And they ended up telling me, they go, and well, my name in Spanish is Enrique. They call me Enriquito. They go, we're going to sleep. Don't do anything, don't do anything crazy. You know, you know, I was gonna do something crazy. So I went outside and I was gonna go mess around with the parrot. So I'm walking around the, the hallway. It's like an open hallway. Like a breezeway? Yeah. With a whole bunch of crown moldings and stuff. And they had this 30-year-old parrot. They cursed and said all kind of cool stuff. And I was messing around with the parrot. There were these bats, no lie, about like this big, hanging on the side. And I screamed and I went to run away. But when I looked, I saw something in the courtyard by my grandparents' um, coconut tree and palm trees. And it was like a lady in like 
what looked like now I will realize it is like the 16th century or something like that, and all dressed in lace and stuff, like grayish white skin, and I screamed for my French like a little bitch, and I ran and I ran down the hallway, and I woke up my grandparents and everything, and that's what I was asleep, and then. She's, my grandmother sat me down and told me that before they actually built the house and and did everything there, um, because my grandparents went to Cuba in the 1900s. They said before that, that belonged to this old family that came from Spain. And the lady died there, but they didn't know where she was buried. Otherwise, they would have dug her up and threw her in the river or something. No, they wouldn't have done that. Um, you know, it's, I'm guessing that they did, even though, even though I, I'm so, you know what? The only thing but, that, that, that maybe it was an old Catholic cemetery that nobody knew about because no, they, they, they were. And they said that the family, that she was the only one that was buried there. But because then after that, my grandfather was getting like weird out and started looking everywhere. And then he had some of his workers like started digging up the whole courtyard and everything else. And they found the old lady's bones there. And then they gave her a proper burial someplace else. Who the heck knows where? But they buried her someplace else. And they had um, uh, spiritualists right. come there. And they did like a oh. ceremony or something there. And nothing ever happened after that. And but Henry never walked down that hallway again. You know the reason why I was saying that is that uh, a lot of these uh, places were, you know, whether it was Cuba or the United States, where people lived like in a rural area. The what they would do is the family sometimes would have like a little chapel, what they call a chapel of ease. It wasn't like a cathedral; it was like a little church with a little graveyard and sometimes it was consecrated where they would allow like the family members to be buried because sometimes like if the the town was a little bit further away or the regular cemetery, you know, in other words, because back then, remember whether you were Catholic or any type of religion, Christian, there was a big deal about being buried in consecrated ground. All right. That, as a matter of fact, it made such a big deal that if you were, that's why that you had that tradition that if you were a suicide or something unsavory, they didn't want you, you weren't allowed to be buried inside the cemetery. Or like if you were like a kind of an immoral person, they didn't want you to be buried in the cemetery either because even the afterlife. So I was thinking maybe uh, maybe they'd had a little chapel back when the Spaniards were around in that area. And they, they had the equivalent of like maybe 15 acres, 20 acres. Yeah, they might've been and, part and, of a bigger and, thing. And like the back of it was um, like plantain, fields and and then the whole thing just like like a ravine and just went down into like like one of the biggest rivers or, or in the in the in the thing it was all full palm you know trees what? and let's, everything let's go down very cool looking let's go down the rabbit hole you know what if the reason why she was seeing her ghost after like you said she looked like she was an old time whatever was maybe they had done away with her and they buried her in a place she wasn't supposed to be buried 
Okay, because everybody hears ghost stories okay. about ghosts that are once they're laid to rest, their bones are laid to rest. Okay, where they're supposed to be, the, the haunting stops. Okay, don't blame it on the old man. The old man got there in nineteen hundreds, not sixty. Well, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> no, but that's what I'm saying. You know, who knows what might have been there before? Uh, things were people. Hey, it's like, oops, you know, they did for away with so and so. Let's for, take her out back there and just bury her. Like I asked my mom much later on, and she said that um, for what the 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 old the old people said that there were only like maybe three or four families that lived there and they and they came like in the 1500s 1600s right, and, yeah. and and they pretty much dominated their whole entire area yeah, of course because what was it your family what is it they had an ice factory right they had an ice factory and in spain they had uh vineyards but over here what they did was which i thought was cool because yeah, we but, never think about it was they they, they would uh, distribute they ice. found the opportunity they, they nobody had actual refrigerators so the way they kept the refrigerators cold was with um okay. big huge ice bricks and they just stuck it in the top and in the bottom mm -hmm. and the ice rose and dropped and it kept everything cold all right and that's what your family did for a living over there yeah but what i'm saying is who knows what was there one two hundred years before so yeah that's the first ghost story that we had which he had told me a long time ago and we were talking about it and you know, that's what you get. See, there was, because back then, you know, a lot of the construction, especially in Cuba and in tropical climates is where you have these open breezeways and courtyards between buildings because you want the airflow. Remember, there's no air conditioning back in these times. So he's, they're letting him run around thinking nothing's going to happen to him because he's in that breezeway area. Even though I don't think they were happy that you'd be running around. And, and what was very wonderful back then, the, like his workers, he built them a house across the way. Right. So so the only ones that owned that whole area were my grandparents. And then on top of the mountain was the other family. And that's it. So you could run around to whatever you wanted to. There's nobody going to make it into that property without them knowing it. Right. And it, was, it was a different thing. But there you go. That's our first. Now, I started looking, like I said, I was going to do th a throwback into weird true crime and around Halloween and everything. And I stumbled on this one, okay, which did occur in October. And really, in reality, I don't know there's a significance to it. I'm going to tell you about it because it was really unusual, so much so that I wanted to include it in this. Um, and we're going to go back to 1969. This is October of 1969. And... The, the 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 husband or the father, whatever, his name was Leonard Carl Humphrey, and he was 35 years old, and he wanted to be more of an Indian than he was. Now, according to a friend of his, a guy named Larry Wickham, who was a policeman later on, but once upon a time had been his business partner, he said that Leonard was maybe an one-eighth Apache, but he often tried to pass himself off as full-blooded. He was very proud of his Indian blood. However, with Humphrey, his pride turned into an obsession, especially with an Apache sun god named Santos, which in Spanish translates to saint. And by the way, I tried to look up to see if there is such an Apache sun god named Santos. I couldn't find any reference to it, but, you know, I don't know. Maybe there is. I tried. I couldn't. Not as far as a sun god, but a sun god named Santos. Now, um... He Humphrey, before all of this happened, he 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 was uh, he used to work for the Lorain County Sewer. This is in uh, in Ohio, and 
he and his wife, which is 30 years old, and their three kids, they were found shot to death on a single bed in their trailer. And uh, police later believed that this was a murder-suicide. Now, in their, inside, they found a, an elaborate note describing that the family was going to the land of Santos, the Apache sun god, because there was so much sin in the world. Right Now, this is like, you know, you think of the... Jim Jones, when he took everybody off to Guyana and he poisoned everybody. And you're thinking, is this the way this is going? But there's other twists to it that at the end makes you think, really, what was the motivation for this horrible act? Now, um, the positioning of the bodies, police determined that Laurel Humphrey, the mom, was the one that shot each of the kids with a 22 caliber rifle, then shot her husband at the base of the skull and then herself in her mouth. Their kids were Leonard 8, John 7, and Shane 6, and they were wearing their pajamas. And now, supposedly, the children knew what was going to happen and were looking forward to seeing Santos. Police said based on the information found at the crime scene. Uh, and he was only dressed in his jeans. I don't know about that part about the kids looking, thinking that they were going to get killed. And I'll tell you why. Um, the note also gave instructions for the funeral and their burial clothes were laid out. And that they wanted a certain note to be buried in their wolf tooth necklaces. All right. Now, again, this is, um, it makes you think that there is something, you know, first of all, you're, you're thinking, okay, this is a situation where, you know, the, you know, did these people know what they were getting into as far as the kids? Um, but you'll see what I mean, that there, there seems to be more to this than than what appears to be at the beginning. Uh, so here here we go. The now the police come, of course, and they're interviewing all the people because they lived in this trailer park. And, um, and from what they said, it, it like. Early on Monday morning, the, the, the party breaks up and the Tucson police say that four persons who went to the party uh, witnessed the note in which Humphrey tried to explain the deaths. And one girl, I don't get this, of course, there's always a weirdo in every group. She signed it, believed that Humphrey was serious and she thought it was beautiful. The other people, they were, and also they left the will. Uh, and then the witnesses said that they didn't believe that the couple would carry out the plan. I don't understand why. You would think that with as much detail you would think that this guy's gonna do it and or at least out of concern for the children but obviously nobody did anything and then one of them a guy named robert shelton who was 26 he was the one that found the family uh the next day now this is what the note read the clothes we wish to be buried in are in the back bedroom also we wish to wear our wolf tooth necklaces we do what we wish to do. Do not wipe the dust off my boots as it is the dust of the land I love. To many, we may be fools for what we do, but remember, it is you who will, who will be wet in the rain, made cold by the winter's wind, and be baked when the sun is full in the summer. For us, it is not but the silence of the grave. For you, there is more in the struggle to survive. For us, there is but peace. I wonder who is really the fool. And both parents signed the note. And it's like very like, now, it was a one-page note. It was handwritten by Leonard. And he blamed also the war in Vietnam and the turmoil in the world for the deaths. And it's like everything, except that they were nuts. Um, and he said everyone was doing their own thing, and this was their thing. Now, um, prior to 
this thing happening. The last four years of Humphrey's life was full of hard drinking, love of animals, and immersion in the Indian lore. So in other words, something happened to him. And again, that guy, that guy Wickham, who was a friend of his when they were in, he was in Ohio, he had gone in into a business with him. Now, this other guy, Wickham, who later on became a policeman, he was also one-eighth Indian. And they became partners and started something called the Diamond W Wildlife Reservation on a farm. But uh, during that time that they were together, the one year that they, they were doing the business, uh, they, ta they taught each other Cherokee and Apache languages, studied animals, collected Indian artifacts. But what happens is Humphrey or Carl or Leonard or whatever, he's diagnosed with MS, with multiple sclerosis. He falls into a depression, starts drinking heavy. And in 1966, he's full of debt and he left his home in Ohio. In other words, this guy had a was living uh, in Ohio, had a job, probably a county or city job in a sanitation plant, leaves his work. By then he's got three kids. Besides, he's going to do this. I don't know what type of business they were trying to go into. After a year, it goes belly up and he just books it out of Ohio. And what he tells us friend Wickham is he's going to head west to trap animals for wildlife preserves. So he rents a 50 foot trailer and he heads out west. And they said that besides his wife and the kids, he took two Siberian wolves, an albino raccoon, a rare ferret, a monkey, a great Dane, and several reptiles. And Wickham, that friend of him says he never heard from him again. He only, he only heard about from them was after the fact when this whole the thing of the murder suicide took place. Now, the police said the kids had attended at least four different schools since they arrived in Arizona in 1966 because the family moved around a lot. And that the last school that they attended, which was Nash Elementary, said that all the three kids were excited and happy at their forthcoming trip. Now, I don't understand if maybe their parents are telling them, we're going to go see Santos or we're going to do this. I find it doubtful that these kids are being told that they're going to get killed, that they're going to get shot. I doubt that somehow. Because I would have thought that if even at that age, this, these kids would have had some type of sense of self-preservation or they might have said to their teachers, oh, we're going to go see with Santos after mommy or daddy kills us. Somehow, they, I think they, they, they of course, like they, they lied to these kids, these, their own children. Now, the, kid, the, the family lived at, a, at 502 West Laguna, which is, um, which is a trailer park. It's still a trailer park. Um, now, the neighbor said that the living room of their trailer was decorated with stuffed lizards and snakes, along with Indian masks, with snakes and serpents coming out of the mouth. And several of the neighbors who called Humphrey Apache Carl, he wanted everybody to call him Apache Carl, thought that he practiced a form of voodoo and that he at times made wishes and then kissed an Indian mask. So what is this guy doing? Now, the week before the murders, the week before, the Humphreys are charged with three counts of contributing to the delinquency of a minor. Several neighbors charged the couple were trying to engage their children in a prostitution ring. In other words, it sounds like the three counts were done in connection to each of their children. There was a count for each child. Now, according to this guy, Wickham, who knew him from before, his wife, she was more tolerant and really interested in his passion for Indian ritual. So I always wonder, how did he get her to buy into this? Okay, including, I'm, I want you to kill the kids, kill me, and then kill yourself. I still don't understand that part. 
God knows. Now, what was the real motive for why these parents decided to end their lives and those other children? Was it truly a belief in an Apache deity or some type of religious belief that went wrong? Was it a combination of alcoholism and Humphrey's diagnosis of multiple sclerosis? Yet, how does one explain that his wife agreed to killing their children and was the one to actually shoot all of them? And was there any truth to what the neighbors claimed that the parents were involved in prostituting their kids? And you have to ask yourself, what dark shadow fell across this family? What happened that what sounds like middle, you know, average life in Ohio all of a sudden ends up so horribly wrong? And even though this, this didn't really have any traditional satanic overtones, I don't know if the timing of this in October had anything to do with it, even though it was end of September, October, if there was something happening. I don't know if really it had to do with them being arrested or charged with that involvement with um, with prostituting their kids. Uh, was it debt? Was it, I mean, nobody knows really what's going on. And I'm thinking to myself, I mean, how desperately... You're, you're hoping that there's they were so desperate for money that they were willing to prostitute their kids. I mean, it was very dark, you know, or how did he morph into, you know, this, this basically um, worship of, I think some type of deity really that he made up and he's like all caught up obviously in being more than what he was when he was only one eighth Apache, he wanted to be full blood. There was something going on in this guy's head. And again, I come back to it. I can't understand how his wife bought into this. What do you think, Henry? Either one or two things. Either I'll put on my ex cop hat. Go ahead. Either one or two things. Either they found out that people found out what they were doing and that they were all, oh, both of them were, they were going to get their, their perverted, sick ass into jail, and they decided to actually kill themselves and kill the kids to avoid going to prison. I'm surprised that the kids weren't taken away from them right then and there. Like child services didn't and, step in and, and say. And the people around that that park were were going along. They were kind of nutty were, themselves. Were, were going along with doing that stuff to those kids. Of course, they're not going to throw them under the bus because they were part of it. So, so they're going to protect them. And not called DIFAS or DCF, whatever it is in that state. So then, no, but you, no, no, no. I'm just saying that I'm surprised that once they, once they got arrested, somebody must have somebody must have said something. We don't know what the origins is. Or like maybe somebody there took uh, took care of the kids when they got arrested and didn't throw them under the bus. Okay, but if it well, no, no. If they're getting arrested and they're contributing to the delinquency of a minor, those three counts, I'm, I am. I'm assuming that it was tied See, to but their that's three them. kids. That's them. That's not the people in that park. No, so, but so I'm gonna... saying that the, that I'm surprised that they didn't take the kids out. Like oh. if your parent, if, if maybe thinking... somebody there said, "Look, you know, we'll watch the kids until." Because at this point, you're thinking, "Hey, you know, uh, I don't know." It just to me, it seems like, I took to me, it would seem that. Somebody would have stepped in and I don't understand again, the, and, and that thing about one of the neighbors reads the suicide note says, Oh, it's so beautiful. It's uh, like, what see, see what I mean? Unfortunately, 
who knows what's in the mind of one of the sick people. Well, you're you're right. You're right. I agree. I agree. But then the other part is. And those people are cuckoo my cuckoo. Yeah, that's usually that's usually where it comes right down to who's cuckoo my cuckoo. <laughs> like, yeah. So yeah, there's there's one of those, and I had to, you know, um, I started thinking, you know what, this is this is uh, this has to do with uh, more the the the. You know, even though it wasn't, there was something, like I said, I don't know, it was a mental illness or was this guy taken over? Did he open a port? I was, I was telling Henry because Henry's like, I go, maybe this guy with some of this weird worship that he was doing opened some type of portal, which allowed this darkness where you're killing your kids and your, and the wife, it's like, that's another one. Or if he, or he said he, he indirectly didn't really want that life. And it was just dropped on him, and well, he figured right. that would be a, an easy way out. Okay, that's that's not an easy way out. Well, anyway, but okay, let's get on to your ghost story. Let's go. Let's one? do. Let's do a hot tub time moment. Which one? The the hospital one. Yeah, let's let's do the hospital because I think this is a really good story. Okay, which one? The the mortuary or the other? One? Well, start with the beginning. How you ended up there to begin oh, with, but okay. don't don't get right. don't get. Because... Um, when I was 15 years old, well, way before that, my mom uh, said she had to work because my dad died as soon as we came from Cuba. Um, she she figured that a way for me to learn something and everything, I went to work for my political uncle in a welding shop, and I was learning a trade and stuff. So while I was there, I got my hand caught in a machine. It crushed my finger. I went to the hospital. In the hospital, they operated, but I was there for like a month because the skin graft didn't take. Right. So I was good. I was in that in that in that room, and they and they were doing therapy and everything. And at the beginning, there was a, an a elderly man, like in his late seventies, pretty cool old guy, and he would talk to me. And I was coming in an hour because I was all, all drugged up, so I would talk to him. I don't even know what the heck he was saying. I was just answering back. And the guy was pretty cool. So I wake up like half days and I look and he's not there. So I, I asked uh, one of the nurses when they went to take to check my vitals. And she goes, Oh no, we moved into another room. She said, Henry, you're gonna be uh, you're gonna be you're gonna have the room to yourself for about a week, week and a half. I said, Oh crap, okay, cool. I got to play my music. So I put on a radio. I was so happy with room all to myself. And then they drugged me again. Damn it. And, and then I wake up half days and I look and there was this old guy. And I said, oh, wow, they brought the old guy back. And the old guy was like, pale. I saw oh, crap. The old man died. And, and, I, and, I, and, the, and he turned to me. And started talking to me, it's like, like asking me, like, what happened to you? I go, and I, my hand was in a cast because I kept on ripping out the, the, the tubes. So they cast my my butt in a cast and tied me to the side of the bed. So so I said, and I went like this. I raised my hand. He goes, oh, I hope you feel better. 
I said, okay, cool, thank you. And I kept on looking back because I couldn't really make out the guy. The guy was like, he looked like white American, but you couldn't really see everything. And the guy had like, it looked like a military type shirt. And I said, okay. And then I asked one of the nurses when they came in, they go, I go, who's the old guy? They go, what old guy, Henry? I told you, you're by yourself for a week. I go, the old guy next to the bed. I go, don't be rude. The guy's next to me. They go, they go, Henry, stop being an ass. There's nobody there. And then they pull the curtain real fast. They go, see? I said, oh, shit, a ghost. And then they ask you why you thought that? Yeah, and I said, I said, yeah, I kept it. I was talking to him. He go, they, they, they were like, they just blew me off. And they go, that's just the drugs. Sit back and enjoy it. And? Oh, I told my mom. Because my mom, when my mom came to visit, see, my mom was so laid back, she was in a coma. My mom they just took her like a stride. When she came to visit me, she, I, I go, I go, Ma, there was a dead guy in the bed and a ghost. She goes, what did you do to him? I go, I go, really? She goes, and I told her everything. And she goes, she goes, no, it's a, it's a, it's a ghost. She goes, she goes it's, it's normal. You know that we believe in that. You know that that's normal. You know, just. Yeah, but still. It's I, I, I go, normal for who, you crazy lady? I go, uh, she goes, she goes, she goes, look, you know what? It's still residual uh, energy. What, what that guy was. So in other words, bed. he he wasn't dressed like in a in a one of those. It, it looked uh, like somebody that came a in, hospital guy, that, right? They came into a military from. A, uh, they came there to get work done in the hospital, but had military shirt on. And then I. I, I so he wasn't him, dressed like a patient. Then is what you're saying. No, it looked like they just dropped him off. Oh, I get it. Okay. So then I told her and I described him. He goes, "Oh no, no, he was here last year." The lady. The lady. Yeah, I told the nurse and I described him like I kept on. I was fixated on that. I, I wanted to know, you know, like, you know, I, I wanted to be like Marvin Gaye. I want to know. And she, and she told me, she goes, no, he was here last year and he passed away. At the hospital? Yeah. There you go. The, he was still hanging out. Yeah. The, the, when they operated on him, he died in the, in the room. There you go. There you go. And that's, he, he wanted to pay you a visit, Henry. Isn't that sweet? I know. I'm, I'm so, I'm so wonderful. <laughs> Anyway, okay. Um, this next story, this does have, uh, you know, so I remember Marlene, you're going into the satanic panic. No, you know what? I said, you know what? People always accuse like, oh, was it satanic panic? And I said, was it, was it just reporters making stuff up back then and exaggerating it? But no, in this case, this next case I'm going to go into, there was, there's, it wasn't like the reporters making stuff up and no, there was overtones of this and at the end, you'll ask yourself, really, you know, what, what, you know, was it, what, what was done? Was it really uh, satanic overtones or was it just criminal activity or a mixture of both? All right. And um, this is, uh, this happened right, uh, I believe it was November of 1971, Michigan. Now, again, the timing on this, this, this you're going to see was done again, weirdly around the time before Halloween, Sam Hain, which is when a lot of these things happen. Now, the November, this is November of 1971. This is 
in this little town outside of Flint, Michigan, and there's 12 young people and they're being questioned by police, either as a witness or because they were involved in the torture slaying of a girl named Kathleen Ann Gilbert, who was 17, and she had been a resident of Flint, Michigan. Now, they ranged in age from 14 to 22, and they were believed to be members of a group calling themselves Satanic Servants. Now, at the beginning, the police were trying to dismiss the reports that they were a religious cult. Now, this is the thing, whether the police don't want to see it as a cult, they consider themselves kind of belonging to this group. Now, a cousin of one of the accused said the group was actually called the Satanical Angels, but that they were a motorcycle club. The main ones accused were Janet Lee Musser, who was 17, and Raymond Humble, 22. He was an unemployed Vietnam vet. They were arraigned in court on a charge of first-degree murder. Now, Humble and another member named William Bowen, who was 17, were arraigned on separate charges of assault with intent to commit murder following a series of sniper attacks on five suburban Flint homes the Friday before. Now, the authorities theorized that the attacks were done to intimidate witnesses in the murder of Kathleen Gilbert. In other words, this guy, Humble and Bowen, not only was Humble being looked at because accused of first-degree murder, apparently him and Bowen had gone around shooting up houses Apparently to intimidate people like you better not talk about what you saw. So anyway, this girl, Kathleen Gilbert, she was a runaway from her home and from uh, a school called the Girls Training School at Adrian. And she was considered a problem child. And she had run away from her house in March of 1971. And after this, she was placed in this training school and she ran away from there in July. Now, her father and her stepmother had made a missing persons report for her, but the last they had heard from her was when she ran away in July from that school. Now, she was killed on October 19th. However, her new decomposed body was not discovered until several weeks later in a wooded marsh. The location was near a Flint gang's clubhouse, which is about 10 miles north of Howell. She'd been stabbed twice in the heart, slashed across the throat, and shot with a shotgun. Now, a person who had witnessed the crime led authorities to the site, which also this is where maybe you're thinking why these guys were shooting up at the houses because maybe word had leaked out like, hey, somebody's going to squeal. Somebody's going to go to the cops and say about what happened. Now, November the 8th, she was buried and the autopsy disclosed that her exact cause of death was a stab wound in the chest. All right. Now, uh, Humble and Musser, were both held without bond and the state police were also holding a 16 year old girl and three juvenile boys in connection with the death. It's incredible to think that the majority of the, the there were kids, if you want to call them kids chronologically, were all considered underage. Now there's a guy named Ralph Burley. He's 29 and he's a cousin, a cousin of Musser. All right. The girl. And he roomed with humble and he told police that he confirmed that they were a motorcycle gang called the Satanical Angels, which is like, were this just the name of a motorcycle gang or were they practicing Satanists? Now, in a taped statement, Janet Musser, to the police, she says she alleged that Humble shot and then stabbed Kathleen Gilbert. And her statement lasted about 40 minutes. And she said that Humble ordered gang members out of the cabin clubhouse. And supposedly he did this in revenge against Gilbert because she had given him a venereal disease. 
And Musser described how 25 guys forced her 16-year-old sister to submit to a gang rape, like either the day before or a few days before. Now, Humble threatened them both, Janet Lee Musser and her sister, not to say anything to their mother about the rape, right? Now, as November keeps progressing after they find her body, the prosecutor, he starts charging everybody with first-degree murder that was somehow involved in, in some sort of way. Now, one of them, there's always one in that group, his name was Thomas Hammond. And in a deal to get immunity, he testifies that Humble and Musser stripped Gilbert, the girl, in the cabin and tied her up with fishing line. And that, they, that he went outside and then he heard a shot fired from inside. Right? Now, in other words, he heard it. He didn't see it. Now, he said he and the others were ordered to carry the girl who was still alive from the cabin to a marshy area nearby. On the way, Humble stabbed her and another youth then unidentified slashed her throat. I remember the autopsy said that what killed her was when she got stabbed, which is what Humble did. That was now. Fast forward. It's December 1972. All right. And. The judge, the, the the defense, they say, oh, you got to change the venue because this has become like notorious and everybody knows about it. So they give him an okay. They change the venue. Now, there were three members of the, by the way, all these people were because part of that, whether it was a motorcycle gang, a group of the satanical angels. And in December of 1972, this was the last to be sentenced was a guy named David Shaw, 19, Donald Bentley, 18, who was sentenced. Now, these guys... It's incredible. Were sentenced to five years probation in Livingston County, and they pled. They had pled guilty to manslaughter. There was another guy named Floyd Rickman, who was eighteen, who was sentenced to three years probation uh, with the first six months in jail, and he had gone AWOL from the army. Now, according to the judge, who gave them order probation for these three guys, it was because she, she gave them the benefit of the doubt because they had no previous arrest records, and it's like, come on probation for manslaughter and not just manslaughter the, the the circumstance that was incredible but anyway part of their probation restricted them from mingling with other members of the satanical angels and they had to live at home um one of these guys rickman who was 18 he didn't even have an immediate family he was just placed in a state educational facility so Janet Lee Musser, who was 17 when she participated in the murder, she was, believe it or not, at that time already married and had a 20-month-old child. Now, in the in her defense, they they her and this other guy were were tried jointly. When she's she tries to plea insanity, it didn't work. And she was sentenced to a life term at Southern Michigan State Prison, and he received the same sentence. Now, later on, Humble argued, this guy argues that the child court abuses discretion in, because they allowed a photograph of the victim's body as it was found in swamp to be admitted into evidence and taken to the jury room by the jury during their deliberations. The photograph in question showed the naked torso, arms, and legs of the victim as she lay face down in a swampy area. Nature had mercifully allowed weeds to grow up around the head, thereby cloaking from view the work done by the shotgun blast. While anything but pleasant, the photograph could not be really called ghastly or gruesome. So this girl had survived. She had been shot in the head with a shotgun, and she was still alive. And then, of course, he killed her when he stabbed her. Now, another couple of juveniles, John Reynolds and Vicki Stone, entered pleas of second-degree murder and were placed in a juvenile detention facility. 
there was another one that it went all the way to the Supreme Court based on having to do to try youth as an adult, because that's one thing from what I read, mo the prosecution was trying, was tried most of them as adults, regardless of their age. Um, now, the story changed as to the motive for the murder. Another reason that came out supposedly was that it was a retribution since Gilbert, the girl that got killed, was the one that had lured Janet Musser's sister to the location where she was gang raped by several members the day before she was killed. And before killing her, they had beaten her savagely and urinated. In other words, this thing about the venereal disease, they're saying no, that and, and, and it makes you wonder, like, how many of these people were together? Was there more than one gang? It's kind of like a little bit difficult to understand where apparently Gilbert or Kathleen has lured Janet Musa's sister to the location where she's gang raped by several members the day before. Uh, and also they're saying that Gilbert, that she had been beaten savagely and urinated on as well. Now. I don't know if Janet Lee Musser, her boyfriend, was humble and she complained to him. Who knows really what happened there? Now, Kathleen uh, Gilbert, she was born on July 20th, 1954 to Gordon Gilbert, who died in 2006, and Emma Goodrich, who died in 2003. Now, as of 2022, Ray Leroy Humble is still serving his life sentence. And you probably, if you're looking at the video portion of this, you're going to see that uh, he's still... He's still there. Um, in other words, he is still um, serving a life sentence. The life sentence, he's still alive. He's um, Now, the police, they tried to dismiss the report which attached the occult motives for the murder. But at the same time, the true reason for the killing are murky. Was it revenge for venereal disease or for luring Musser's sister to be gang raped? And But then and again, it appears that Gilbert was part of this gang or hung out with them. She'd been missing since July of 1971. Was her significance tied to the timing of the murder, which was less than two weeks before Halloween? In other words, if she, in other words, they're, they're saying, okay, there's no occult reason for this. But then the timing is very close to Halloween, which is known when a lot of these some of these people that either call themselves Satanist or they, they're into occult practices, they do this type of human sacrifice thing. All right. So who knows? What do you think, Henry? Do you think that it was, do you think it was just, she hung out with the wrong people That's or no, it's, what do you think? A lot of times when you're that young, you, 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 you get, you get easily, um influence you get um you get like oh wide-eyed because of the because of the bad boy bs and all that other stuff and you want to be part of the, the little group and, yeah, and, and, and 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 then things go right array and then you wonder why a lot of times that's what it is well okay but I can understand that bad boy thing, but we're talking here. Obviously, she was she she had problems. She was running away from home. She's running away. She'd been gone July, August, September, October. She was had already run. Away. She was gone three months, and I'm thinking maybe she was hanging out with these people for those three months that she disappeared. But one thing is a bad boy, but I mean, one thing is murder. That that's that's that's. And also, the other part of it is just hanging around with them, not to be in the street. 
who has somebody of course sure protection yeah i never thought of that yeah if you're 17 years old it's better it's better than being in a gutter who knows what could happen yeah you need somebody to protect your back even if yeah even if you're used in abuse like a yeah like an old towel yeah and uh supposedly the other girl janet lee muster the one who was tried with humble jointly that she tried to uh basically plead insanity they had like a psychiatrist come in and said hey that since she was eight years old she had mental problems or something god knows it, it, i really don't know what the background of their lifestyle was as children but apparently whatever it was she got she got life i don't know what became of her if she's still alive or died because this guy uh he still that was in 1972 so we're talking what 50 years 82 92 2000 no yeah 50 years it'll be 50 years more or less that he that he was sentenced and that he's serving time and he's still alive so there must have been quite a lot of information there as to to convince a jury to do that the, the part that i couldn't get was that they went ahead and they gave three juveniles but see and it's really funny because this is the thing about judges the one judge which was over the the trial of the two main ones humble and musser that they got the life sentences this this was another judge a, a lady judge called judge pop and she's the one that put them on probation for three years for manslaughter for being involved in, just because they have didn't have a prior arrest record i thought that was like man you need to do something. I don't know. I don't know. And again, you never know what happened to to these people, what became of them. So there you go. So what happened while you were staying that month at the hospital and you were driving everybody crazy? I, I, I remember. I remember another story. Go ahead. It's a gangster story. Go ahead. Hit it. It's a ghost gangster story. Okay. I lived in the town called Elizabeth, New Jersey. That was guy, uh, wise guy central. A lot of these wise guys owned, owned, um, there you go. Okay. Owned like, um, delis and diners and stuff. And, um, I used to do sometimes construction work and make extra money besides right. welding. And I, I grew up in that area. So everybody knew me. And sometimes yeah. I would make extra money. They would tell me, listen, we're going to do drywall and this and that. You want to come and most of those guys all they all, they saw us as kids making money so they they, they they were not like you see on tv where nah they say okay we want this 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 and this done if you we get one done on time come collect your money so they will say we want this whole room done and that was it so we we started like fixing up the room and there was one of the, the, the guys overseeing everything. And I, we kept on looking. It's like, okay, you're really up our butt. Why is this guy looking at something? And I asked one of the guy's father that owned it. And he's like, bro, he sees ghosts in here. <laughs> I, go, <laughs> I go, get the hell out of here. I go, I, I, I'm like, okay, okay. see, now, you, now you're effing with me. Now you're effing with me. See, that's exactly what you need to tell a work crew. Okay. No, 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 no. It's like, because since my mom was a spiritualist, 
I really was not afraid of ghosts. Yeah, but but, but, but I, I thought it was just messing with me. Yes, uh -huh. like to mess with me. And then I found out through one of the old guys. It's cool when you talk to old people, real old people, because they don't know how to keep their mouth shut. Okay, so they, they, they so they go, they go, kid, and and we were eating. We were like in our lunch break. We were eating. And he made us a a sub. He goes, kid, you want to know what this place was actually used for? And you're like, I'm like, oh hell yeah. <laughs> oh no 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 no, I put an extra coat of paint. You tell me. And they go, they used to actually torture and kill people in here. All right, Henry. Wow. <laughs> and they go, they go, this is before where the old owner of this place, they were using this place to ask, and that's what they used it for. I go, no effing hell. But okay. And, 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 and he goes, he goes, yeah, just keep your mouth shut. Okay, but whoa, 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 whoa. back up, they back go, up, back up. They go, a lot what was of this, people, just a uh, building or what? No, no, house it or was, what like was it was like a storefront. Like you go to a pizzeria. Okay. And the whole back of the building is like, let's say you have a 25,000 square foot place. Okay. The whole front has like maybe five tables. Okay. And a, and a counter, and a counter. And then the back supposedly was a warehouse, but it was a soundproof room. And they did their business back there. And the thing about it is, it's like, with us, it's like, okay, you're cool with us. You pay us. And they pay very well. It's just they wanted you to keep your mouth shut. And they didn't know that the old man told us that. And I started being nosy. And I told my friend Carmine, who was actually back here? Because I'll ask my dad. And I was like, okay. And then it was people that owed them money. And they asked and asked and asked. And went back and went back and tapped them a little bit here, tapped them a little bit there, and okay. they, they didn't pay up. So then they were turned into, into roadkill. And the, re <laughs> the reminiscence of that was still in that room. And he goes, you guys better do a good job because the last people, they put like 10 coats of paint in here, and he still sees them. <laughs> so now, okay. And, and, I go, and I go, so what did you put here? He goes, you're gonna laugh. He goes, don't he goes, you're gonna laugh. They were they were over here about to play cards, and the guy went to get a beer, and there was a, there was somebody in the back room by the fridge looking at him. <laughs> okay, I'm sure that must have done. <laughs> See that and, and he and he threw up his beer and left and he hasn't come back. I wonder why. Yeah. This pretty soon this is gonna come off. This is giving me a so headache. yeah. See that that happens. People, you know, sometimes it's like. But see. <laughs> so I told him. I told him what he needed to do was um. It says at the majority of, I think just like like Spanish people or Cuban people, or even American people, they're very they're, they're they're very religious, and they went and had a priest. Bless that thing All and right. do everything else. And that did the trick. And that did the trick. And we got paid. That's all that matters. That's all that mattered. Okay. All right. All right. The next story. This one definitely. This 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 I brought it home to Florida. All right. This was from Florida. And this definitely it was uh, as a matter of fact, not too too far from where I'm at now, which is Daytona. And um, 
This definitely. And again, there's there's no doubt whatsoever that this had some really um it had some very dark besides the act that, that there was an actual murder. Um definitely, definitely there was um there was an occult aspect to it besides the criminal activity. All right. And this, of course, we're going to fast forward. This is May 3rd, 1973 in Daytona. Again, this is a very significant holiday. And I mentioned earlier when I said that thing about um, the Druids, May 1st for a lot of Satanists, Beltane, is, it's, it's, uh, it's also a significant date as far as um, the occult calendar. And what it starts out is a, a kid, well, he's, well, a boy, his name is Ross Michael Cochran. He's 17 and he's a change boy in a pinball arcade. And turns out he was strapped to a table and tortured for a day before being murdered by a group of young Satan worshipers. They sacrificed him. Now, at that point, the police charged six young beach transients who were members of a devil's coven with first degree murder. Okay. Now, uh, Cochran, now this is the part where you say, what's the real motive? This kid, this Ross Cochran, two months before he gets killed, he was a major state witness in a suit to close a nearby private school as a place of lewdness. Now, this occurred in March, and the state attorney filed suit asking that the 78 pupils there should be declared wards of the court. Now, what happened was, Back in March, two months before, the police, they raid the school at 1 a.m., all right? And apparently, prior to the raid, there had been culmination of months of secret investigations headed by the state attorney, you know, the chief investigator for the state attorney. And they went in there with a search warrant that uh, charging that the school with uh, uh, offenses of false imprisonment, child abuse, uh, lewd and lascivious behavior, and the dispensing of illegal drugs. This was among some other things. Now, this search warrant, this place was huge. It covered 44 acres of what was called Green Valley School. Now, the entire campus was 164, but they, the, 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 the warrant covered 44 acres on the main campus and another 20 acres of land owned by the school at a marina and the land. Now, the, the, the Marina de Land uh, was privately owned, and they also searched a 100-foot school-owned school government surplus boat. Now, the, the school was founded by a guy named Reverend, Reverend George von Hilsheimer, and the students uh, that went there were described as having emotional, social, or mental behavior problems. In other words, these were troubled kids. And the dean there was a guy named Chandler Nowicki. He was the academic dean. Now, what was found in the raid was described as a large quantity of unknown drugs. They got three movie reels. One was classified by the state attorney as, quote, colored Danish sex film. I guess in color, I'm not sure. A number of publications classified as a sex or adult magazine. A water pipe and 10 slide projectors and carousels were taken. They also found torture devices removed from the school uh, that included one set of leg irons, a sex electric dog collars, 
one pair of handcuffs and an old fishing light with a bulb missing that was said to be called by the students the bull shocker. In other words, they were using this, like, I guess, I don't know if, I don't know, the, the, as an enforcement or what. Now, at that time, they made four arrests. They arrested the Nowicki, the headmaster, on a, on a felony of unlawfully imprisoning a child and three temporary staff members who were charged with marijuana possession. Now, it almost sounds like what they went in there more was to collect the evidence of what they, you know, what the allegations were. Now, remember, now right after that, on April 27th, okay, the state's chief, one of the state's chief witness was this kid, Ross Cochran, who was once a student there. That's how he knew so much. And that night when they do the raid, they remove him from the school for his own safety. And later on, you're going to find that kind of this, this was a problem because when they took him out of that school, all right, and because for his own safety, instead of give, taking him, for lack of a better word, into protective custody, they left him on the street. That's why he was working in an arcade as a change boy, all right? You're thinking, why didn't they take this kid and obviously everybody that went there, all the, 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 the teenagers that were there had problems, either emotional problems, behavior, mental illness, you name it. But they know. So here he is. He's working in the arcade. And um, back in, in July 1972, OK, this is after uh, Cochran, the, the kid, is killed. The magazine, The Floridian, writes a piece about the school describing that Green Valley takes supposedly incorrigible problem youngsters and treats them with unorthodox methods such as strict punishments, massive vitamin doses, and no psychotherapy. Criticism of the school is intense, but the outspoken director says his controversial treatment have a success rate of 86%. Now, there were allegations against the school, which was said to condone sexual relations between the students that required the girls to take birth control pills that allowed the boys and girls to swim together in the nude and they placed pornographic literature in the school's library. Sound familiar? Anyway, this back in 1972, 70, this the this school was had a budget of 1.3 million. In other words, dollars. It wasn't cheap for these kids to go there. It had been established in 1964 and was operated by a religious society identified as Humanitas. And it was on the side of an old monastery, right, in Orange City, which is in Volusia County. Now, a legislative group had investigated this facility in 1969 and had been a source of controversy for several years. Now, the police chief at the time said they must have hated this kid. He's talking about Cochrane. They must have hated this kid like, kid like hell because they really tortured him. He said that Cochran had been flogged with chains and stabbed with cut glass while tied to a black wooden table in the basement, altar room, of a ramshackle brick rooming house called the Roach Haven by these beach kids. Uh, this place was lo <clears throat> located at 27 North Grandview Avenue. Now, his mangled body tied up with ropes, was found in a remote wooded area about 50 miles southwest of Daytona Beach. 
Now, the police initially were uncertain if he was killed during the alleged sacrifice or if he died or his body was found. The six that were initially charged with the murders uh, were Kenneth Francis, 17. Another one uh, was 21, John Colbert, 18. Another girl named Deborah Ann Shook, 22. Um, another late girl, Cindy Black, 17. And another one, uh, 19 from Detroit. Most of them, believe it or not, even none of them were really originally from Florida. They were all transients and they were all hanging out and living there. The, the only ones that were had attended this Green Valley school had been Cochran, who was killed, and the one guy, Kenneth M. Francis, who was 17. Now, according to the police, Cochran had been running his mouth around the beach saying he was a narcotics agent, and it was speculated that he may have angered the Satan worshipers. But then I'm thinking to myself, later on when it comes out that him and Kenneth Francis were in the same school, you know, he would have known that this they're both 17 years old, that they're not narcotics agent, but that, yeah, that that uh, Cochran squealed and turned into school. But still, as far as him being a narcotics agent now, nah. now, the police believed that Cochran was lured to the rooming house. He was overpowered. They tied him up in a second floor room and then beat him for nearly five hours. The police described that they went to the altar room at about 3 p.m., put him on the table as a sacrifice. They tortured him some more. He pleaded for his life and that the altar was an old work table painted black and lined with black painted bottles and candles. Motorcycle chains and symbols and red paint adorned the walls of the room. <clears throat> In other words, whether they were, they, they, they considered themselves and acted like Satanists. Uh, they, there was a guy named Nicholas Frazzi. He was from Ohio. And he said that the initiates to the coven were asked, quote, to denounce God and everything he stood for. And he said that he and Deborah Shook slashed their stomachs in their wedding ceremony in the basement altar room. He displayed a jagged scar to a newsman. And his wife was known to the coven as Ledora. And uh, the one that they had a satanic priest who was the one that presided over the ceremony. And this guy, see, he tells the police, anyone who wanted to join the coven had to sign their names in a register in blood and were asked to denounce God and everything that he stood for. Now, he said he had heard that someone was being held captive in the basement, but he said he knew nothing about the murder. Um, and again, the police captain, he said that all these youths that were running out, they were all transients. They didn't belong to the area. Now, in October of 1973, all right, it's reported that I mean, I guess as more information is being dug up about all these people and what they were doing, one of them, Deborah Shook, said she was a priestess of a satanic cult and testified that Cochran was sacrificed to appease the master Satan, that she had wiped up the blood after Cochran was taken away. And she testified that one of the other ones, last name of Hester, told her that they had blessed the satanic knife to slit Cochran's throat. In other words, there was, uh, whether... I don't know whether they really thought this guy was a big mouth, uh, was a narcotics agent. They 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 took certain steps to kill him in a in a sacrificial way, in a ritual way. Um, now it was determined that Cochran was killed by a blow from a club after being tied up to the table, right? And the police, the, the way they found out about this was that a youth was arrested. 
on an auto brake charge. And he, I guess to get out of getting in trouble, he tells the police about the murder. They never clarified, did he hear about it secondhand or did he witness it? But that's how the police find out about it. Now, they say that he was uh, he was taken in a car trunk and taken to these woods near Satsuma. And again, they don't know if he was dead when he was transported. Now, his body was found about 100 yards of, off State Road 415 South. And when they found him, he was still tied up. And a pine log was found by his head, which was the one possibly used to kill him. Because what really killed him was uh, uh, massive skull fractures. Now, the murder was carried out close to May 1st, known in pagan groups as Beltane, and an important date to Satanists. In October of 1973, David Hester, the self-proclaimed high priest of the Satan-worshipping group, was convicted and sentenced to life in prison. Hester, who was 17, had pled innocent to the charges. Five other members of the devil's children, which is what they called themselves, were charged, and he was the first to be convicted. The others agreed to produce evidence for the state and pled guilty to lesser charges. Now, Hester, who was pronounced sane by a psychiatrist, said he only pretended to club Cochran with a pine log, but that another cult member, Kenneth Francis, actually hit the youth over the head four or five times. In May of 1973, this um, George von Hilsheimer, who was the one that established that school, he was a, a controversial Protestant lay minister. And he, uh, he held a press conference to explain that he believed it was doubtful that this guy, Francis, had any connection with the cult. And he, this is what he was said. It's our belief that this boy could have had only the most casual acquaintance with such people for nearly two months before this tragedy. Kenneth Francis had been in New Mexico on a Green Valley field trip. Supposedly, Francis had returned a few days before the murder and was officially listed as a Green Valley runaway. Uh, this guy, George Van Hilsheimer, he died in 2013. And fast forward, Kenneth Francis was um, apparently, he went to jail for life. He died in 2003 in jail here in Florida. I don't know what happened to Hester, right? Now, on a side note, which this is this is incredible because this guy, George von, Sch von Hilsheimer, back in 1963, let's go back. This is 10 years before this murder takes place. He's tied to another location that's uh, about an hour's drive from Asheville, North Carolina. It's a remote place called Camp Summerlane. And there's a cub reporter who goes out on a tip that some, but something was going to take place at this location. So he has started interviewing these people who live in this little town. And they're telling him that first they see this summer camp like, like rather ordinary, rustic. But as time goes by, they start realizing that things are not really like what they appear. Right? They're realizing that, in other words, that there's more to this than meets the eye so much so that they start basically getting concerned and um they said that they they're telling this reporter that they had that there were reports of nudity free love and open sexuality became rampant and that the citizens of rossman this is a little town didn't want any of it and they asked police to escort the staff and about 50 students out of the place hundreds of locals amassed to witness the exit. 
Now, a police captain who came over to like tell these people, you got to go, like leave and escort them out, said that the place was filthy, that the uh, campers, as in the students, had established their own type of recreation and they did what they wanted to do. And he said that the people there were dirty as well. Now, this is 63. This is, I want to say before that commune stuff started taking off. Now, later on, they, in 2008, they interviewed somebody because they were, a lot of people there were denying it that this wasn't true. In 2008, they interviewed somebody who was there in 63. This guy now is in his 70s. And this is what he was saying, that those people were a nudist camp. They went swimming naked and all that stuff right on the side of the road where one of the camp's lakes was located. In other words, this is how the townspeople became aware of it. This was the reason the mountain town wanted them out of there. Summerlane, after moving to New Jersey, lost most of its campers. After this is when Von Hilsheimer founded the Green Valley School in Orange County, Florida, which operated from 1965 to 1973. In other words, what drove Von Hilsheimer, God, I got to take, I got to get this thing off my head. That's it. Enough of this. This thing is, I'm getting a headache. You want to wear my hat? Here, let me have your hat. I want my hat. Here. I don't know. I'll, I'll wear your hat. Okay, there we go. I got it on backwards. There you go. Okay. Here we go. Okay, whatever. Here we go. The Rocky hat. So anyway, here, um, this is what leads this guy, uh, Van Shelmer, to like, he ends up in Florida because it appears that this little town, these people in the Carolinas, they're like having none of this free love, uh, free nudity. That's why I find, and what does he do? He starts a school where, which ends up, with the same type of allegations because at the beginning when I was reading this, I'm thinking, well, was, was this maybe misinterpreted somehow as far as, you know, what was happening? Uh, did they just totally misunderstand? But no, uh, there was something definitely going on uh, when, especially when you see that camp summer lane and the Carolinas, and then he comes here and the, the school, already have been investigated prior to that. And um, and and I'm still trying to look up where, I mean, the school is there, but that they were saying there was an old monastery there. I'm still trying to find out what that is because I think it, there is, if you go to Orange City in Volusia County, there is a place called Monastery Road. And, you know, a lot of roads and places, they get named after what's there. So I'm going to find out what that's about. So, pump, 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 you're on. Got any more ghost stories? Mm -hmm. Let's hear it. Okay. Before I was asked to leave the hospital. Did they, what, did they throw a party when they by, saw you by, leave? By popular demand. Did they say, he's, oh my God, he's leaving, thank God. <laughs> hey, look, I don't care. I had a good time. But they didn't know where to kiss oh, no, him no, or no. kill him. Oh, no, 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 no. I, I used to play poker with the staff. Okay. You know, they used to sneak in through the back door at night. And bring, and bring pizza and and we play. I took a lot of their money, um, but you know what? They were I was actually treated very nicely, for and they were very um, understanding that I was fifteen okay. years old and at fifteen years old you don't want to get strapped to a bed. Thing about it is, what got me strapped to a bed and not so I couldn't move is because well. The, the graft, the skin graft wouldn't take on my finger. So they had to put stuff, um, IVs and stuff, and I was ripping them out. 
Okay. So they actually cast my arm and tied me and tied me like this to the side of the bed. Okay. So I couldn't move. They must have been pulling out their hair with you. Once once they actually saw that it was taking off, okay. they let me they, they let me free. Shouldn't have, but they let me free. And I started wandering around. And I used to come visit them at the nursing station. And I started being curious, book checking out people's rooms and I, and looking at them. And they would tell me to get the F out. And I would step on their on their weights and and yank their their, they must, their loved, they must have loved you. But I found something that was very interesting. Were you like a candy striper? Oh no, no. Candy stripers loved me. I bet. I was cute. Okay, shut up. Not now, but I was cute. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. All right, all right. I'm sick. All right. Shut up. Um. Uh. There was. I never seen what a mortuary looked like. So they had a door at the back end of the nursing station. They said morgue. Okay. I'm 15 years old. I didn't know what the hell that was. All right. So I was nosy. I was nosy as sh. And I, and I and there was a nurse there who looked a mirror image of Pam Greer. Okay. So I started calling her Pam, and she started flipping me off. So so I, I said, what is that? She was dead people. You want to be part of them? Right. So I, I said, really? She goes, don't go down there. So I waited. I stuck around there, checked out their computers. And when they, when the, when Pam left, they were on a skeleton crew after nine o'clock at night. Okay. They only had two people because everybody supposedly went to sleep except Henry. Um, uh -huh. So the only one, well, this guy can't make this up. That guy's name was freaking Bob. He looked like a Bob. So he would just stay there doing payroll and paperwork. So I go, Bob, I'm taking a walk. Now go ahead, Henry. Just be careful. So I went like this, look back. Wait until his head went down. I opened up that door and I bolted to that door. It was dark as freaking hell. And I started and I started looking. Nobody around there. Okay. And I walked into this room. They said the I the the fridge. So I walked in there and they had a body on the slab. I screamed so freaking loud. I, I thought I actually went through the door. I didn't realize. Did you understand then what a morgue was? Mm -hmm. But when I was walking by, I started looking at things. Uh, there was supposed to be an empty, an empty area, an empty room. Uh, but I saw a couple of people walking by there. What? I, yeah. I saw a couple of people walking by there. And they were in gowns. And a couple of them had bullet holes in them. A couple of them were like they had the the stitches down the front of the shirt, like an autopsy. Yeah, and they were walking walking down the hallway with this blank look in their face, and I'm like, I looked at her, then I realized what it was, and I oh shit again, and, and, and I ran and right now went through the door, went back to my. Let me room. answer the words. Is, is this hospital still open? Where was it in Elizabeth? It was called Alexian Brothers. Oh, so it was a it was a, a Catholic hospital. Hmm? It was called Alexian Brothers. You know what that means, right? You know what the tie is to the Alexian Brothers. You know that the Alexian Brothers Hospital in St. Louis is where they had the exorcism for supposedly John Doe. 
But guess what? One of the biggest reasons, wait for it, one of the biggest reasons why I think they closed down because they, they were not able to get bought out because they were making a lot of very colorful mistakes. Like, <laughs> see this? Colorful. It was supposed to have been a skin graft. They sewed it up. Okay. And it got gangrene within a week. Well, that happens. But okay. anyway. So so they, they a lot of people were having similar stuff happen to them. Like things that shouldn't be happening were happening? No, no. But because the thing about it is they, they were getting, they, they were like uh, getting in trouble for incompetence. Okay. So, but coming back to, the, because the Alexian brothers, believe it or not, a lot of these religious orders, when they were coming into the United States and in different cities, Usually what they would set up would be hospitals and teaching institutions, you know, hospitals. That's why you had a lot of the nuns or priests, they would, they would either, um, you know, they would either teach or the hospitals. And uh, the one in St. Louis, which is where they did supposedly the exorcism on the Roland Doe or John Doe, which was the one that the exorcist was based on. There was, they ran a story in 1949. Supposedly this article was the one that William Peter Blatty based his, the exorcist on when he wrote the book, which of course it would change to the girl and everything. Now the Alexian brothers, what people don't realize is that that hospital where they kept this guy, the kid, while they were doing the exorcism was an insane asylum at one time, part of the services they provided was as an insane asylum. So the Alexian brothers were known. Now, I don't know if that individual hospital, but is it still open or is it closed? Well, I used to drive by there periodically because uh, it was a short shortcut to my mom's house. Okay. So, so I I looked and it was starting getting very um, decrepit. Was it an old building then? Supposedly, it, uh, but supposedly it was relatively new, but they were competing with um, with the Elizabeth General Hospital that was across the way, literally across the way. Right. And no, the reason why, I and asked they were like very like high tech, modern. Well, to that time, it was very modern, and they had, I mean, the state of the art stuff, and and um, Alexian Brothers, their emergency room was very like. Filthy. By today's standards, filthy. Okay, so no, no. my point that I'm asking is that if this was an old hospital, maybe that there was a reason why you were seeing all these things walking around. Yeah, because there yeah. Was... I never thought of it that way, but yeah, 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 yeah. And, I mean, like, and it's it's a shame because the staff was very nice. The staff was, oh, okay. you know, and they, and they went out of their way to, like, you know, did they ever say? Did they ever see anything like that? They had seen something. Was you hear a you know, lot of these yeah, stories you know about hospital when staff? When, when, stuff. You're, when you're 15, you don't ask. That. Well, I know that. That's you know, I mean, now I would have probably said, "Huh?" No, but it was pretty. It was. Yeah. It was fun. That's was, the thing that I had um, a ball in that hospital. Well, well, what can I say? But anyway, all right, guys. By the way, I I put. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. We're about to end because it's, we're going a, a little bit hour and ninety minutes, but. I let my hair loose because I'm going to be doing probably in a month, about another month, okay, a another video like I did last year about New Year's resolution because people asked me about it, but I did it back then on New Year's. And I had told everybody that my New Year's resolution was not to cut my hair for a year. And I haven't. 
I've let my hair grow off for one year. I've kept my resolution. All right. I'm going to go in December and I'm going to get copies. I said, not cut short, but anyway, I'm going to do a special video, just a New Year's resolution, preparing for what your New Year's resolution should be. And of course, I'm going to introduce the subject of hypnosis and, you know, why we make, you know, what kind of, how can I say, how do you work it up here in your mind to, for your New Year's resolution to not fall into the trap of, crashing and burning, which is what happens to a lot of people, myself included, but I'm going to do it early. I'm going to do it in December. So people can really figure out what it is that they want their resolutions to be. And to make plans is like how I'm going to get my subconscious not to have me crash and burn. So yeah, that's why I let my hair out loose. And it's like, and I have to keep it tied down because there's nothing like not having cut your hair for a year. He, he hears me complain about it every day. So anyway, guys, it has been absolutely wonderful. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. And, you know, we'll be back. Like I said, we'll, I'm going to do the one for the New Year's. Let's see what we come up with. Um, and uh, don't forget to sign up to my Substack newsletter because on there I announce like the new books. I have done giveaways on Amazon for the books for like five days. Any new projects, any new books, any new anything. All right. So please go to miamighostchronicles.com or mppellister.com and you're going to find links to the Substack newsletter or just about anything. I publish everything on there as well as links to the podcast, everything and the videos, you name it. So until next time, you guys take care and happy holidays, even though I'm hoping you're going to come back before then. Say bye, Henry. Bye bye.